you're tuned in to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. Powerful ideas to rock your restaurant. Here's your host, Roger Bodwin. Welcome back to the podcast, guys. You know, one of the things I love most about this podcast is I get to talk to real, true industry professionals, and we talk shop, and I learn from them, and we share ideas, and anything that'll help you run a stronger, more profitable business enterprise. So I'm really excited today to talk to Mr. Greg Plester, and he's from a company called Core Hospitality. So as you can imagine, this episode is all about just that, hospitality and service. We're going to be talking about what makes a truly memorable dining experience. You know, the characteristics of a really great general manager, what customers are looking for in restaurants, the importance of training, that all-important staying out of the weeds, and how you build teamwork in a hospitality enterprise. So stay tuned. We're going to cover all these things and lots more, as well as how to deal with unhappy guests, which happens from time to time in any restaurant. So stay tuned to the episode. You know, scheduling staff is like being an air traffic controller. Sticky notes, emails, texts. There's so many requests. Your employees say, I didn't see the schedule. I can't work Friday. I need to switch with Sally. I asked for time off. Well, it's time to land those planes. With hot schedules, all requests go into one system to build the perfect schedule. Staff can get their schedule seven ways, including a powerful app. They can easily communicate with managers, pick up or change a shift in just a few clicks. There's even a template for recurring schedules based on sales, traffic, budgets, you name it. See why Hot Schedules is the number one staff scheduling app on iTunes and why over 170,000 restaurants in over 60 countries are using Hot Schedules to save time, manage costs, and grow their business. Go to hotschedules.com forward slash free hyphen trial for a free demo. I'll repeat that hotschedules.com forward slash free hyphen trial for the free demo. Check it out. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Restaurant Rockstars podcast, engaging topics that help restaurants build their brands, rock their profits, and deliver amazing guest service experiences. Today, my guest is Mr. Greg Plester. He is a team lead for Core Hospitality. Welcome to the show, Greg. How are you tonight? Good, good, Roger. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm glad to have you here. We share a lot of the same philosophies about service and about training and about running restaurants and about, you know, best practices. We're going to get into all that. But before we do, my guests know that I usually start out with the backstory of who I'm interviewing. And your resume in the hospitality space is quite impressive. You've done lots of different things. Why don't you take us through all of that and how you got to core hospitality? Okay. Um, yeah, just, you know, like most of us started out young and, and then just stuck to it. So it's kind of, it's all I know. It's, it's, uh, you know, started out in the back as a line cook and then went to school for it, become a chef. And then, um, you know, a lot of my first, uh, my first half of my career was in the back as a chef and a, and a kitchen manager. Um, and I started to get flown to and driven to and bus to, uh, different restaurants that um, had opportunities, I guess we could say, and um, to assess and to implement systems and training and uh, to try and help, um, you know, help the, the leadership team that was there. And it just continued. It, it, it uh, you know, then the next store and the next store and then, <clears throat> and then 
the next brand, the next company, the next store, the next store. So, you know, it was maybe about eight, maybe about 15 years ago, 18 years ago, I, I started working out front as well, um, more full time and then going into the GM position uh, and then the next store and the next store and flown to the east, to the west. And, um, you know, same thing, only full, full business unit now. So front mm-hmm. and back assessment, full leadership leadership team assessments. Um, you know, and, and, and over the years, and I, I mean, I, I have kind of lost track of how many restaurants I've, um, you know, how, how, how many restaurants I've worked with. Um, but there's always a lot of people that kind of stand out. Um, you know, a lot of great leaders, a lot of great, uh, line cooks, a lot of great servers, a lot of great dishwashers, you know, a lot of great team members. And I think over the years, you know, we all kind of grow, you know, a little bit and, and you see it for more than what it is for more than just running a restaurant and for, um, you know, understanding that the people really run the restaurant. Right. And we just, we're just there to kind of guide them. And, and I think that's what brought me to core hospitality is, you know, seeing all these opportunities in these restaurants over the years and, you know, and still going out for dinner and so on. And, you know, we're the, we're the worst critics. All of us are the worst critics. When we that's so funny dinner, to right? say that. Oh yeah. yeah. Right. And, yes, you know, and some of them you're like, Oh, I'm just nitpicking. And then some of them you're like, what's going on? Like what's happening. And so it's not, you know, it's, it's, you know, the restaurant industry is in a funny place right now. It really is. The hospitality gig is a funny place right now. Everybody owns one and everyone wants to be busy, busy and, uh, no staff are staying. So it's, it's, now more than ever, the I think the essence of you know believe in your people uh, speaks uh, speaks more now than ever, and I think that's what really drove the core hospitality was to try to help help operators. And I mean, we're not consultants; we don't come on site, we don't do any you know very rare anyway. But uh, you know, we're there as a support platform. Um, I mean, we're talking to people every day, you know, via messenger. Just them asking questions. Hey, I'm dealing with this. What do you think of that? Or this person. I posted a video about how to deal with a tough employee because everybody doesn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of people don't and they just they end up running the roost and it's toxic. And, you know, they're pretty smart. And that came from somebody asking a question. And I, I thought I'd throw up the answer on a, on a blog. So, yeah. So, essentially, I just, I, I've kind of kicked around everywhere uh, throughout North America and all sorts of the major brands. and all sorts of facilities and uh, area management and, and area chefs as well, multi-unit. And uh, yeah, just, you know, I think it's time we get back to the people I want to help them. You know, that word people really resonates with me because it really is the foundation of any great successful restaurant. And there's so many different personalities that you deal with as a manager and the customer's you know, get to know people for their personalities. And we always encourage the staff to be who they are and to stand out and to make friends with the customers and to educate and entertain and inform each customer. And that was the key to success a lot. But the passion really runs deep. And and it's really clear that you have that passion. You know what I'm talking about. It could be a really crazy upside down business most of the time. Controlled chaos, a lot of us refer to it at many times. But just the you know, the friendships and the relationships that you make with the team, with the customers and all that really is what drives the business forward, I think. You know, would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, every, even outside of hospitality, everybody talks about culture. 
And that's what it is. I mean, that's essentially what you're describing is, you know, creating that culture and, you know, and there's lots of tricks and strategies to do that. And um, you can see when you go out and about in, in different, you know, in, in different, different restaurants that it, it's not always happening. Right. And, and I mean, we are, we are tied a little bit up with this, the labor pool right now everywhere. Oh yeah. That's a big challenge. Everyone's complaining about it. Yeah. Every it's everywhere. And, and, mm-hmm you know, retention and keeping people engaged and, you know, like we've all seen a course on millennials and, and, you know, there's, it's a different environment. It's a different landscape right now. And, and so, you know, we need to approach that a little differently and, and go a little bit back to basics. And I mean, even dealing with the guests, you have to deal with them differently now. Like everything's a little bit changed. I mean, um, you know, and I, I think the great leaders are changing with that, but I think there's some who are just, they're just struggling. Like they're just stuck, right? They're just, they're just a little overwhelmed. And that's, you know, like what Restaurant Rockstars does. And, and there's a bunch of us who, you know, try to help and support, you know, these owners and operators. For sure. Greg, would you define hospitality for me in your own words? What does that word mean to you really? Um, <clears throat> you know, creating an experience. Uh, I think, you know, being hospitable is you're making a memory, you're, you're making an experience, right? And, you know, so many, uh, so many places get caught up in, you know, and I, you know, the steps, the, the procedure and the policy and the policing of the controlling of the this and the that and the, you know, and the what's the bottom line and stuck in an office. And, you know, we figure, you know, we, we don't forget, I'll take that back, we, we get caught up. And, and lose sometimes can lose sight or lose grip on creating that experience. I mean, that experience for the guests is what drives our business. And, and everybody knows this. It's just, how do you get to get back to that? Right. Yeah. You know, that is, you're right. I mean, it is common sense and everybody knows it, but it's, it's not, I shouldn't say it's surprising because you and I eat out quite often, I'm sure, because it's part of being in the business. And you just mentioned a little while ago that we can definitely have a critical eye. And I think every restaurant owner, GM, on their night off or when they have time and they do dine out, you are critiquing what's happening behind the scenes and what's happening right in front of you all the time. I mean, it's just human nature to do that. But Somehow, uh, the whole service is is kind of a lost art, you know, and the experience is lost because the service isn't what it used to be. And what I'm talking about is if you went back to the 1940s or 50s or even the 60s when there was a maitre d', you know, that greeted you at the door and sat you at your favorite table and pushed the chair in for the lady and took your coat and just entertained you and made you feel like you're a very important person those days are so gone. You know, it's like same era when you'd pull up to a gas station and they'd put air in your tires and wash your windows while they pumped your gas. Yeah. It's like, you know, just talking about that. Yeah. used to happen, but it doesn't anymore. And now you go into a restaurant and, and there's so many moving pieces and there's so many different people that you interact with, starting with a host who, who hopefully greets you at the front door and seats you at the table. And then you've got servers and busters and bartenders and all these different people but sometimes the experience is just lost because the training is missing. There's no choreography. The servers are order takers. I mean, I can go on and on and on again. Mm-hmm. And that is lost on so many operators with otherwise good restaurants that have good food and interesting ambiance, but the service piece is missing. 
mm-hmm. or maybe the service is there, but the ambiance is missing or all three aren't present. You know, um, that's just a challenge for me. And I, you know, maybe I'm more critical than most because, you know, this is what I focused on for 25 years and you as well. But it's like, what's the key advice to an owner, operator, you know, restaurateur, a general manager? It's like, how do you deliver the experience consistently day after day when you're serving hundreds of people a day so that everyone is touched by that experience, you know? I mean, that is, it's hard to achieve, you know? I mean, we're all just human. Mistakes happen, the unexpected happens, and the show must go on. But there's got to be a way to deliver that consistent experience. It's so important. Yeah, I think, I think... I mean, two two pieces of that is, I mean, we're so tied with costs versus 60s, 70s, yeah. 80s, 90s. I mean, mm-hmm. the ever-rising costs, and yes. I mean, we're check-driven. That's it. QSR, fine diet, we're check-driven. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the ones that are making, uh, you know, making a few more bucks than the others, um, you know, is these high checks, these $35, $40 checks are making a couple bucks in these nice places. Um, You know, the QSR that are focused, that's focused on volume rather than margins, they're making a couple bucks too. There's a lot of in between in that, that are making money that are just struggling. Right. And it's really tough to get out in the floor. And you know, when you're, when you're, everything's reactive, you're in a completely reactive state. Um, So it's, it's a funny, right. Not funny. It's a it's a tough time right now for a restaurant, uh, for a restaurant tour. Um, but going back to the other the other piece you're talking about is presence. I mean, that's what I found has lacked. I, I mean, I remember my first shift. I remember my first shift on the floor. My first floor shift. I think it was eighteen or nineteen. Uh, a manager of a busy roadhouse at the time. Um, you know, all your standard flair. This is back in ninety one or two, and so. It was uh, right when roadhouses were like the like they were you know Apple TG like all that they were they oh, were yeah, Apple yeah, right right oh yeah totally and they were fun places yeah and you were on the floor like mm. that's where you were like you were on the floor you're working with people on the open you're working with people over lunch you're building guest experience you're doing manager five hundred you're like you lived on the floor you've got you're doing your board change you're making mm-hmm. sure the out times are being met the side dues being done you you are on the floor. And now I find over the years that we have so many different things thrown at us that, that never used to be, and not to say they, they shouldn't exist. Um, but they're taking a lot more time away from the floor. And we say the floor, we need, we mean people, we mean the guest experience, we yes. mean staffing development, right? So it's a really funny time right now. And, and I think there's a, there's a number of us, out there and there's good operators out there and there's people who want to do it that that have some tricks and some tips and strategies to to get to make that happen to get bring that manager presence back that leadership presence yeah you know i used to have a mantra i had many managers over the years both floor managers dining room managers gms all that sort of thing and the main advice or the main mantra was the floor is your office yeah and you're on you're on you know, the whole time during that shift and you are kissing babies and shaking hands and solving problems and putting out fires and anticipating needs and doing all those things. And that is part of the guest experience for sure. And making every customer feel like they're the only customer in the place, even if you got 300 seats filled, you know? 
you know, and building and building something in the community beyond your four walls. I mean, being right. a part, being a stakeholder in the community and, and not because the head office told you to, but because you believe in it. Yes. You believe you're employing the, you know, the kids of, you know, your friends and family and, you know, those places are still here. <laughs> They've been here for 20, 30 years um, because of that loyalty, that community loyalty. And not because somebody told them to. No, that's, that's just that's, good business. Right? That's just good yeah, business. That's absolutely you, right. You believe in it. So, the, yeah, it's... Um, well, you use the word presence, and presence also applies out in the community, not just on the floor. It's also the presence that you have in being, you know, a leader, a thought, you know, a thought... Um, well, a thought leader in the community and, and contributing and, and volunteering, being part of the Chamber of Commerce, getting involved, serving on committees, going out into the community and spreading the word, not just about what the restaurant is all about, but, you know, supporting sports teams and just giving back in so many ways. And, and that was important when we ran restaurants. It's still important today. And again, that's a real challenge when you've got so many details in running the operation. But I guess that's when it comes down to having systems in place. And there are so many restaurants, if they're lacking those vital systems, you know, they're running the place by the, by the seat of their pants, the restaurant's running them, they're not running the restaurant, you know, and without the systems, you just don't have that extra time to go the extra mile and, and give back, I think. Absolutely. And it, it, it's sometimes, you know, there's a lot of restaurants out there that are beyond system based where their their policies and policing and um, it's more of a control than a belief. And then that's the vicious cycle right there yes. is that, you know, you get stuck in the reactive of like checkity checklist, 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 and everyone's just being controlled rather than believing in it. I mean, you know, there's systems that need to be there. Yeah. You need to have a closing checklist, right. You know, for the kitchen, but is it five things or three pages? Like, you know, if it's three pages, then they don't care like at all. But if you can do a closing checklist with five to 10 items, and it's clean. It's because they have pride in it. Because you're there, you're with them, right? They, totally you're closing good. with, them, you know, you're, um, and I think, you know, creating that belief, you know, and what we're doing is the manager presence being out there. But how do you get out there when you're, you know, driven by paperwork, you know, that may not be required. And, and there's lots that are. There is. Um, there is. Right. So, so it's, it's, it's a bit of a funny cycle to be in, right. And, you know, like one, one strategy or tip that, you know, some do is, you know, the paperwork aspect, all the data entry, because now everything's data entry, data entry, data entry, um, you know, get like, get a keyholder to do it, get a good server to do it. Like you, you don't need to do it. You know, if, if it's something confidential, you do that. You yeah. Know, on a, right. On an admin day. But like, if it's just putting numbers into a computer invoicing or something like that, just get somebody else to do it. You don't need to do it. If you've already done it, you know, received it and you got like, pay someone else to do it. Hold them accountable for it. It's not rocket science, you know. No, no. You, know, you want to do the statement, different story, right? Well, you know, there's always someone in every restaurant that really has a passion for the business and they come into it and they want to grow and they want to learn and they want to take it all the way. And, you know, I, I've got an example. Um, well, I started my first restaurant 25 years ago and my very first employee was a 15-year-old dishwasher. And he just had something special. And within three weeks, he was closing the place three nights a week, sending the credit card batch. He was just so eager to learn. And I took this person under my wing over the next 15 years, and I taught him everything I knew about running a business. And he wanted to learn. And ultimately, his goal was to open his own restaurant. And, you know, 15 years later, he opened his own restaurant. That's amazing. You know, 
no formal education, no college, no sure. culinary training of any kind, just 15-year-old dishwasher, just worked for me for 15 years and worked his way up, became the kitchen manager, you know, managed the place, did an amazing job, was really good with costing, with ordering, with inventory, all that stuff, and then he went on to open his own place. Mm -hmm. And that is just inspiring because this is definitely the industry where you can start at the very bottom and go yeah. to the very top without necessarily having that formal education, having mm -hmm. any advantages, all just having a burning passion and a true desire to succeed, and then the rest will follow. So, you know, that's, that's just more of what makes this restaurant industry so special, I think, just the potential and, and the camaraderie and, and all yeah. that. I'm a big I, believer in empowerment. I love that word empowerment, you know? Yeah. It, well, it's, it's, it's so important. It, it's, uh, you know, engagement got yeah. a little overplayed over the last 12 years where everything was with staff engagement and reward programs and this and that, and it became fake. It, it came yeah. a little uh, unauthentic, right? But, you know, your example of that, you know, that guy you brought in, that's, that's you being present. I mean, that's you being present in his development, uh, in his growth and his, and, and showing that care and compassion. And I mean, along the way, you know, he was also good at invoicing and cleaning and working and cooking. Right. Not right. Just because of who he is, but because he believed in what you were doing. Well, you know what the key was, I think, if I go way back in my memory bank, I remember when I first started, everyone thought they're doing all the, you know, all the hard work and Roger's the guy getting rich because every time he sells a $20 steak, 20 bucks goes in his pocket. And they had absolutely no, no concept of, okay, we got, you know, we got a rent to pay or a mortgage and we got to make payroll. And we got cost of goods. And every time a plate breaks, maybe it costs, you know, seven bucks just came off the profit of the next steak we sold because we just broke up. They had no concept. Yeah. So back in the day, I made it very simple, but I think I decided that I was going to train people in, you know, think and act like an owner, treat everything as if you had to pay for it, because this is really what the bottom line profit is. And Ro right. no, Roger's not getting rich. And unless I have about 20 of these places, I'm not getting rich. And that was very empowering for me. And that was very inspiring for the staff. And it's amazing how that changed the whole culture of the place just by teaching and educating them on what it's really like to run the place and to work as a team and to get the most, you know, the best results out of everybody so that the customer has the best experience and that the restaurant grows its volume and grows its sales. And we get repeat business and we get buzz and word of mouth and all those things. And it all stemmed from the team working together once they truly understood the fine line between success, failure, and the in-between. And you yeah. mentioned it yourself. I mean, the profit margins really are so slim, and it's unfortunate that so much of the industry is somewhere in that 6 to 8% net profit range. And they say you're doing really well if you're somewhere in that 10 to 15% profit. <laughs> you know, and wow, it's so true. And I know that, you know, from a personal experience standpoint. But a lot of the, you know, a lot of the restaurant employees out there aren't going to take a vested interest unless you engage them. But I think the recognition and rewards part is still very, very important. And we had a lot of oh, success absolutely. with that too, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, and, and you know what you did by, what you did by, you know, educating them and so on, regardless of the agenda is, you know, you created a synergy, right? You, you created a synergy with the team to point everybody in the right direction and, you know, not to, you know, keep kicking the basket, but, you know, presence again. I mean, you're out there doing it, right? And yeah. and I think I just I just think if we see more of that, we will engage far more. I don't think like 
like, you know, that's what we do. Right. And, and you get, you get more passion and belief in what we're doing. Like, like what you just said with, you know, understanding the cost of goods and so on and, and, you know, how the financial scope works, you get people who really believe in it. Right. And if you can get people to believe in it and start rolling the same way, I mean, there, there it is your number one marketing tool, the guest feedback, like that's it. Like, oh yeah. You have made it right. Well, you've heard, I mean, it's such a cliche now in this business, but you know, the, the customer that doesn't complain, but just doesn't come back, but how many people they tell. And now, especially in the age of social media where online reviews are so important Nightmare. to restaurants, I mean, that's the kiss of death right there if you're not delivering amazing experiences and dealing with unhappy guests in the right manner before it spreads beyond, you know, wildfire. And you've yeah. got an interesting philosophy about that too. And I think you call it the, the last model. And that's an analogy. You care to explain that a little further? Yeah. So the last model, I've, I mean, I've heard that from different brands as I've been floating yeah. around. It just kind of simplifies it. And it's, uh, um, you know, uh, listen apologize, solve, and thank. And I mean, that's, you know, that's a simplistic way to put it. So when you're, you know, when you're training servers, we use the last model. Uh, when you're training junior managers, use the last model. And, and a lot of the great managers and leaders are already doing it like that. But, um, you know, I, to be honest, I just, I just did some coaching on that today. Uh, I saw some kind of skip a few steps, right. And, you know, and, um, you know, and, and, especially now, like you just mentioned with the, you know, the social media and the, um, you know, if they, you know, if they, if they tell one, they tell a hundred and all that sort of theory. I mean, it's a fact, like that's not a theory anymore. Like it's, you know, we talk about guest engagement and, you know, um, comic cards or Yelp or TripAdvisor, whatever platforms you're using, you know, those, and there's a lot that don't use it is, you know, measuring top box scores and, and high scores in, in their, in their guest feedback platforms to create those guest ambassadors. Um, you know, I did a, a few videos on this too, and it's just, my philosophy on marketing is if you're doing an unbelievable job, keep marketing. But if you're pissing off half the people coming in, don't piss off another half. You, you know what I mean? And when yes, you have guests, when, when you're dropping in sales and when guest feedback on Yelp or all these platforms are, you know, faltering or you're dealing with them all the time and you're wondering where sales are going and, well, I'm, you know, I'll start a marketing campaign locally or this or online or Instagram or whatever. Um, you might need to take a look at the ops first before you start getting more people in the seat. And I mean, you know, the measurement of the guest feedback, that's number one with me. I mean, that's how all the restaurants used to grow not very long ago, right? And they were busy. So, you know, it's my theory. <laughs> well, you know, there's so much technology now available to restaurants with guest feedback and data mining and frequent visitors and spending patterns and loyalty and rewards and all that kind of stuff. But then there's still the old school way that has the personal touch. Are you in favor of either way? Is there some place in the middle that still works for me? <clears throat> you need to be online. Absolutely. Like right. you need to, and you need to be present and you need to be engaging and you need to be talking to people. And if somebody does make a comment, you need to be, you know, you need to be listening and last model online. Like you still need to be active, very active, but it can't take a priority over what's going on in the store. And, 
you need to have something on a larger data pool um, showing how your true operations are. Um, I mean, they're future sales forecasters. So if you have a, if you have comic cards or if you have some sort of online Empathica, some sort of metric that they go online and do a survey on or whatever, they get a free appetizer. Something that measures the amount of fives, top box, meaning they're guest ambassadors. That means when they go out, they're not just saying, uh, oh, yeah, I went to Bob's place. Yeah, no, it was all right. No, it was good. No, they're going out and specifically bringing it up first in a conversation. Holy cow, I went to Bob's place. Unbelievable. That's a five. That's true marketing, right? So I'm, on, I'm, I'm both. I'm both. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, and those, those indicate future sales when you have those huge top box scores. But, yes, you still need to be online because everybody's online, right? So. Describe the magic for me. When you go out and you know that a place is just really just dialed on all cylinders, what makes a truly great dining experience in, in your mind? And then once you, you know, you've recognized that and you've experienced it, how do you translate that experience to the clients you work with to deliver those experiences? What first is the experience? And then how do we replicate that, capture lightning in a bottle and then share it with others to elevate the industry? Well, I mean, as, you know, for all the old schoolers and hardcores, as I usually say on my, uh, on my blog, yeah. uh, you know, great food, great service, great atmosphere. That was it. That was the three prongs. And that's, it's been like that forever. All right. Now, for over sure. the last 10 years, great value has added, added its head to that. It's now mm-hmm. a four-piece pie. And, value. You know, and when we say value, it doesn't necessarily mean cost point. It means full package value. Did you get value in your experience? Not just... That was it cheap? Or was it worth it? Was it worth getting ready? Was it worth getting the kids out? Was it worth going there? Was it worth like the weight? Was, was it worth it? Was the value there, right? And so that's that's what I look for when I go out. So um, there's, there's one restaurant, I did a, another video on that. And there's one restaurant we go to quite a bit. And the values, it's, it's, I don't want to say what it is, but it's actually going to change the market. It's kind of scary. They the price points are so aggressively low and it's a steakhouse. It's unbelievable. But we go there and the value is exceptional. The service is pretty decent. The food's pretty decent. The atmosphere is great. It's good. Like it, they hit it all. Like it's very rare. They ever kind of mess it up to a point of, um, you know, mistakes, mistakes happen, but, but it's good. They've hit all, all pieces of the pie. Um, there's a nice restaurant that my wife and I go to, uh, we don't bring the kids to this one. Um, they excel on all four pieces of the pie. Like you go in and it is proper service. It is, um, you know, the food is spectacular. The fusion and the recipes are amazing. Um, the atmosphere is gorgeous. And the value, you know, obviously you pay a bit, but the value is still there because you know it, right? You've got a nice collar on and you're looking good. And you're going to this place on a little date night and you've got an experience and you rave about it. Right. And, and so how do we translate that to the, to the next owner and operator is that's the funny part. <laughs> that's where it gets a little tricky. I because know that's the magic. Dust. Know, how do you right? replicate it? <laughs> we get, we get the four pieces. Oh, this is it. This is what you do. These, that's all you do. Too bad. There's 3000 spinning plates underneath that. Right. But it generally always falls under three pillars of people, profits and processes. And that's kind of, you got to be financially responsible. You got to be people, staff and guests driven. And you have to have, you know, some key processes in place. And if you can just kind of 
compartmentalize your mind with that and be strategic because we're all strategists in this game, right? You can put the proper plan in, in place to get to those, to get to great food, great service, great value, and, and great atmosphere. But it's, it's a strategy and you make your plan 30 days, start another one. Make your plan. Just keep going. Just keep moving the needle. Just keep going one step at a time, right? Um, and and unfortunately, sometimes we're just we're just running, <laughs> like we're just running, right? So we got to stop running. I get the sense that when you go to either of those places, you're getting a consistent experience every time, and that is another piece of that magic, you know, magic dust. It's like, how do you maintain consistency when? Again, the element of error will always be there because we're human, we make mistakes. And obviously, you know, even if something bad goes wrong, you can still spin it around and give the guest a great experience just by admitting that we made a mistake and making it right for the customer, however your philosophy is in dealing with that. But consistency is so, so important, especially if you've got you know, you're building a brand of multiple locations. You want to make sure that if you go to the first location one week and then the next week you're 20 miles away in another location, you're getting a consistent experience. And that, again, is another plate that's spinning in the air, you know, multiple locations. So many challenges in this business, right? It it is, it is. And I think trying to compartmentalize as best you can. And I mean, you know, putting them in, you know, different silos and, you know, the four steps of this and the two steps of that. I mean, it helps. It really helps, right? And Definitely. Um, yep. You know, when you go into a place, you know, a busy restaurant on a Friday night, and you see the manager at the front door with the host team, you know, giving direction and not necessarily seating, but up there and greeting and giving direction when need yep. be, mm-hmm. you know you're going to be in for a pretty good experience, the fact that they know that. The air so traffic controller. There, the lineup's insane. And the poor 16-year-old girl or boy doesn't have a clue what's going on. They're completely in the weeds. And, you know, where's the manager? Like, what's what's going on, right? Something could have happened. Maybe somebody's sick, whatever. But that happens again and again. Well, you're probably done, right? You're probably done going there, right? So, um, yeah, just, again, presence. It just really comes back to presence, right? That that little trick is manager 500. That, um, I think, is something handy for everybody, again, to compartmentalize. And that's just, you know, you're at the front door at dinner and then you're on, you're at the window to check quality of food and bill times. Uh, and you're, you're at the, sorry, at the bar first getting uh, quality drinks and uh, bill times bar. Then you're at the window and then you're at the dining room. And at the dining room, what are we looking for? Faces, right? Anybody looking up, you know, and you're making sure that the, you know, clean lines on the tables, you know, clean tables, uh, you know, everybody looks happy generally, right? You kind of get the vibe of what's going on. And then you do it again, back to the door. Next flip, right? Um, you know, a lot of managers don't know that. Like, they don't know that trick, right? And, I mean, I, I think I was taught that when I was a teenager, you know? so I've been to really expensive restaurants, unfortunately, where the manager is, like, off in the corner talking to the staff half the shift as opposed to showing and delivering that presence. And that's unfortunate also. Yeah. You know, it should never happen. I mean, if you're in charge, I mean, you lead by example, you train, you develop your people, you empower them. And then you get out of their way and you let them do what they do. And then you, like you said, you know, you're making friends with the customer and you're engaging them and giving them lots of reasons to come back again and tell their friends and share the stories on social media. That's really yeah. what it's about. And they can fail. It's okay. Yeah. Like they, the servers, the co- like they can fail. You know, they can't continually fail if they're not listening, but like 
they can fail. It's, you know, it's okay to coach them after and, and ask them what happened and how it went and what would they do differently. And, you know, they need to have that safe space. They need to have that environment. I mean, you still need to have a definitive line in the sand. Um, you know, that, that can't be crossed in your signature and so on. There needs to be a, a bit of an oh no factor that exists in the building where right. they, you know, they know not to do certain things. Yeah. But you, but you still need to have that safe environment, the safe conversation and dialogue, um, but not to a point where the inmates run the asylum, right? So, let's let's talk about training. I am a huge believer in daily training, even if it's just three to five minutes. I think pre shifts are incredibly important every single day. You know, set a theme for the evening, set a service philosophy, have healthy competition. You know, train your staff to serve and sell because salesmanship is so important. Is there anything I'm missing? And what's training mean to you? Yeah, tra- like training's, I think, number one, right? And yeah, and we can go, you know, alley rally, shift meetings, all that sort of stuff. And, and even if you don't have time, like, um, you know, to get everybody together because dinner started early, then, you know, do the touch points with them as, right. as you're going along the shift. And, you know, everybody should have some sort of communication board. I, w- I would imagine most people do. Um, and in the back, I mean, the chef, Cam, whoever, alley rally in the back. I mean, the, you know, it's not just, it's not just a front of house thing. I mean, the heart of our restaurant is the back, right? So, you know, get them fired up in the back, talk about quality food, talk about quality ingredients, you know, talk about, you know, guest feedback scores on food yep. tastes great and you know, get them fired up. Right. So no, I, I agree with that, uh, you know, a hundred percent and the, the training, you know, that's the biggest gap in every industry. Uh, that, that kind of exists. Um, it's it just it it's the return on investment, and that's what scares a lot of people. I mean, there's training manuals that are one page, and there's some training manuals that are like twenty pages that most staff don't retain or even utilize, and unfortunately, even managers bother with because it's too much, right? So it's trying to find that middle ground where you can get a quick return on investment, um, but it's effective training. You mentioned something earlier. Now we're talking about service and you mentioned that classic term in the weeds, you know, <laughs> and I've always believed that whether it's a server or a bartender or anyone really, I mean, you can't, you can't sell if you're just surviving. You can't serve if you're just surviving. And unfortunately, in too many cases, you know, staff are getting in the weeds. Are there any tips? I mean, call it the steps of service, call it what you want. Yeah. But how, would, yeah. how would you keep people, you know, on focus and efficient and attentive and being able to anticipate needs and still serve and sell and take care of every customer in your section without getting caught up in the weeds. I mean, is there, yeah, uh, I mean, the first, step, the first step would be t- for me to go get a charge cord because my computer is going to crash. So uh, give me a second. <laughs> go for it. Yeah. Yeah. No worries. The show must go on and it will. I've done that myself. Why don't you sing a song or something? <laughs> oh, let's let's see. I wish I could sing. All right, and he's back. All right, back, back in action. In the saddle. There you go. So, uh, yeah, we're talking about in the weeds. Yeah, being in the weeds, just like that. So, you know, to keep everybody kind of. Um, uh, out of the weeds is, uh, um, 
you know, being in the right spot at the right time, I mean, it comes down to scheduling properly. I mean, that's the number one, um, you know, to make sure that you have the right people out of the right spots. And, um, but again, it, it comes down to training. Like that's the, you know, yeah, when we talk about training, then it goes to onboarding and then talk about onboarding, it goes to screening and hiring and, you know, and, and that whole process and, um, you know, not to make it too convoluted, but, you know, getting the best teams starts at the very beginning of hiring. And so, you know, we, we all talk about, all the restaurants talk about like, you know, root cause actionables, right? So like this happened, how do we fix it? Well, we do this. Well, is that the root cause? Are we really fixing the problem, like resolving the problem or fixing it? So when we talk about, you know, staffing, training, and so on, you know, the root cause of that is really like, really the hiring, screening, and, you know, getting the right people in there and, and interviewing on soft skills now. Like, hard skills are experience. Like, you might as well throw that out the window these days. Like, everybody's worked 13 different jobs for a month each. Yeah, uh, it's true. So, like, yep. <laughs> or they've only volunteered. And, like, so there's, there's no real, like, it's very rare you find somebody who is, you know, a, a professional industry, you know, industry employee, not jaded, right? You know, uh, you know, saying like, so what would your last boss say about you right now if I called him, right? Like, oh, no, like, exactly. Yes. Right. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I think to keep them out of the weeds, I mean, scheduling, but root causes, just get the right teams in there, get the right people. You know? you know, I think that's a mistake. Well, especially in this age, and you touched on this earlier about the labor shortage and the problems that everyone's having, you know, having and finding and keeping a great staff. But it really comes down to, you know, not getting somebody else's bad habits or someone else's problems mm-hmm. or people with too much experience want to do it their way, not necessarily the right way. And mm-hmm. I've always believed in in recruiting and hiring people that had the right personality and an approach and a true desire to serve the public. And I could train for the rest. And I had much better luck in building, you know, longevity with those people than the experienced people that I hired in the beginning, you know, that turned out to, you know, last a couple of months and then they're gone because we just didn't see eye to eye. They wanted to do it their way. I had very specific ways of doing things. So one of the biggest mistakes people are making now, unfortunately, is hiring warm bodies and just throwing them out there because they need them just because the show must go on. And they're putting ads in the paper and putting signs in the window, help wanted. And they're getting the C team that are just showing up for the paycheck and they last a couple of months and then they're gone. And then you got to start the process all over again. And Mm -hmm. it costs far too much and lost time and effort and productivity and money to do that. And you just got to build what I call the dream team, one person at a time. And then, like you said, have the presence, be a great leader and empower them and just turn them loose and see what they'll do and recognize and reward them. And they're going to be happier working in an establishment like that than in the commonplace that, you know, like everyone else is running. I think it's a true competitive advantage to have that approach in, in developing and hiring and developing a team, you know? Yeah. And if you have that poor leader on the floor who isn't, you know, living that culture that, that you believe in with, you know, staff engagement and, 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 you know, uh, you know, giving them acclimations and coaching and, you know, being a positive, uh, you know, creator of teams, uh, fire them, like get them out. Yes. Like enough's enough. Like don't waste your time. Like, you know, these people are running your business and it, yeah, it sucks. And I get that, but yeah, me too. 
you know, it, unfortunately, that's some of the some of the the downside of what we have to deal with, right? And um, yeah, you see that just, often, Greg. Are you seeing uh, you know with clients that you work with, you know, that dictatorial manager style, my way or the highway, and this is the way it's going to be, and blah blah blah, and they lead. Usually, by they're old schoolers. You know, some of them are mostly old schoolers. Not a lot of new people like that. The yeah. only thing you find with the new the new managers is you know look what i can do right like look what i can do and i got the job it's just a little bit more kind of you know they're just a little bit more braggadocious and yeah. because they're proud right and i mean that's you know not really a it's more of a coachable moment for them um you know and they and they don't want to let you down and because they just got it and like so and you know that that's fine but be honest about that like have that conversation too like just have it honestly, you know, like you can't let that go or the staff will be like, oh, I don't listen to Bob. He's just, you know, he's pompous or whatever. Like, you know, you have to have that dialogue as well. Um, and you can give it to the, you can give them that feedback positively. Um, Definitely. But yeah. So what do you think about teamwork and how do you get everyone on the same mission? You know, everyone rallied around that common goal. Plan. Everybody needs plan. Yeah. So for, you know, 10, 15 years, I've always had a business plan uh, and a personal development plan. Personal development plan, I just keep to myself. It's my own thing. I don't share it with anybody yeah. uh, so that I can grow. And, you know, and, and, and then the, the business plan is, you know, it starts with the leadership team. And, and you just, you know, again, people, profits, processes. Pick one of each, you know, whatever the opportunity is. Put some actionables behind it. You know, smart action plan, right? Everybody knows that, right? specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely. Uh, and even if you have the answers, especially if you already have the answers to those, to those opportunities, like, oh, I'm going to create this or I'm going to do training seminars or whatever, ask your key employees and ask your managers what they think before the plan's even made. Regardless of what they think, you can filter the conversation to what you want them to say. And, mm -hmm. you know, and they may come up with some things that you didn't even think of, especially the people on the floor, uh, you know, on the ground floor and, you know, working, you know, working in it. And then when you make this plan, you rally them behind this plan. And then you, you know, you create the plan and you roll out with the managers and you put contests behind it. You put it up on the communication board. You put up the metrics, you shift meeting it, you email it. Like you need a plan. How do you create that? You need a plan. Can't wing it. Can't wing it. There's too many of us. Like, this is true. Yeah, you cannot wing it. So, That's absolutely true. Big short answer. <laughs> all right. So tell us a little bit about what Core Hospitality is all about. Uh, so Core Hospitality, uh, Coho for uh, the client. That's I right. like that name. Coho. Anyway, Core, Core, so Core Hospitality is, uh, we're an operation support platform. So uh, we have tools to help make your life easier for owners, operators, and GMs. Um, you know, that's, that's primarily what we do. Um, you know, we're quite, we get questions for it today, uh, daily and, you know, we just answer them like just, you know, we shoot the breeze shot, talk shop for free. Uh, we do have some products. We do have some things like we create custom training manuals, uh, like things like, like we, uh, we have a, a POS uh, partner we have like everybody does, but, but this is what I actually believe in. And uh, we have a scheduling software, which is fantastic. I used this software like years ago and it's a 
every, there's a bunch of them out there and it's a pain to set up, but everybody should be using some sort of software. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and like we've got a communications log, but we got tools that are there to help bring the operations together about like everything we just talked about. Right. Um, and they're all, um, and then it's all, you get all support from that. Like we have a leadership logbook that yeah, talk, is, let's talk about that. The daily logbook. It's sort of a management organization tool. Really oh, amazing. there. Let's yeah, talk, it's talk. amazing. So for years, a lot of the restaurants I worked in like a while ago when I was growing up, they all had some sort of logbook to keep communications. It's a little bit pre-email to age myself, right? So we had a logbook. And then, you know, logbooks started to kind of diminish a little bit. They were pretty simple stuff like, you know, how's the weather and, you know, the staffing levels and how was your shift? And that was about it, right? And um, and I always thought they could be better. And then, but then we got an email and some people, you know, send an email template of this, that, they type it in and, you know, make sure everybody's on the thread. And, um, but this logbook is, again, going back to a little bit old school of like the core operations. It brings everyone together. So the logbook has notes, not just on the shift, the weather. Uh, it has like the manager daily task, what they did. They write down kind of like, oh, I did this and this. I want to accomplish this and this. You know, did they do it? You know, whatever, just so they can keep their notes. Uh, they can keep themselves uh, organized. You know, the staff, right? Staff engagement. Did they do a one-on-one or any coaching and counseling? Guest feedback. Um, it basically compiles everything every day of, you know, the essence of what we've been talking about tonight, the actual operations and how that went. And then at the end of the week, there's a weekly people profits, uh, people profits and uh, processes weekly meeting template. So you can have your weekly meeting with your leadership team or, and if you don't have managers, get some key staff to pretend to be managers or something, get some support. Right. And, you know, sit down, talk to them, get them engaged, review the plan, review the people, profits, procedures, and, you know, start working through that same template so everybody kind of knows what the expectation is. It holds everybody accountable uh, to the vision, right? To the dream of what, you know, what, what your goal is. Um, and the best part about it is it gives you historical data. So if you're off for a couple of days and you come in, or especially if, especially if you're a multi-unit, you come in and you don't have to ask 30 people what happened. You just got a logbook. Just grab a coffee, grab the logbook, look through a couple of days. And you're like, oh, wow. Do this. Talk to this. Oh, Tina had a one-on-one with this. Oh, okay, I'll make sure I'll follow up with Bob on that. And, you know, whatever. It's all right in front of you. Or like St. Patty's. What happened last year? Oh, yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Grab the yep. logbook. Boom. Uh, it's there. It's a gong show. Okay. Let's do this this year. And so it's, it's, it's a great tool that it's just – not a lot of people are doing it anymore. And, and the benefits that we had, you know, back in the day when we used it uh, were fantastic. So, so we created it and it's beautiful. It's gorgeous design and tight binding and all that quality stuff. I had, I had somebody else do it. I, I made all the sheets, but somebody else built it and designed it. I, I don't have that kind of talent. So. Yeah. I had a chance to check it out. I really like what I see. I'm actually going to put the link uh, in the show notes so that our listeners can go check okay. out the logbook. I think it's, I think it's cool. Anything else you want to share? We've covered a lot of ground tonight, Greg. Yeah, we kind of, we kind of. It was good because we just kind of talked shop, which was. Which I was love nice, talking right? shop. And, yeah, it's know, like it just brings of, me back. Yeah, yeah, it's nice, and uh, you know, a lot of people and uh, uh, you know can relate to it and be like, oh yeah, or or whatever, right? So, uh, no, I, you know, not too much to you know, just 
keep swinging up the fences, everybody. Like, just keep going, keep running, keep going. And believe in your people because, like, they believe in you or they wouldn't be there. So, you know, believe in your people and, and just try to get out on the floor and, you know, and, and try to be present for them and you know, get somebody putting in the paperwork and, you know, just start creating that family, as Roger had said, right? Create that culture, man. It starts with you, right? So It does. You know, just keep running. You'll, you'll get there. You'll get there. And if you need help, let us know. Either of us. We are, somebody, let us put your hand up. We can help. There's lots of people we can help. So, uh, but yeah, that's, you know, that's about it. Keep going. You'll make it. I really appreciate the time you spent with me tonight, Greg. It's been great. You know, talking shop is a ton of fun. It just keeps the passion alive in the business. And I hope we inspired some people and gave them some nuggets of wisdom and operational, you know, ideas and best practices. And that's really what this is all about. So thanks everyone for listening and thanks Greg for appearing. Well, thank you very much, Roger. We'll talk soon. I'm sure. That was the restaurant Rockstars podcast and we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks, guys, for listening with us. You know, I really like Greg's Leadership Daily Log. It's a really powerful management organization tool for your restaurant. It'll help streamline communications, keep you all organized, and it'll help you look at past historical data and present data at your fingertips. Check it out. I've put the link in my show notes to today's episode. I also want you to know all about our Restaurant Rockstars Academy at restaurantrockstars.com. We have three levels of membership that'll help you with any of the pain points or challenges you're having with your restaurant. The first level is all about cost controls and profit maximization. We help you dial in your finances, whether they be inventory, food, beverage, and labor costs, daily break-even, costing out a menu for maximum profitability. It's all in there. The second level of membership is about staff training for service and sales. It'll help you build what I call your dream team staff. And finally, the platinum level of membership is the whole enchilada. It's everything you need to know to start and profitably operate a successful, profitable restaurant. Whether you're just starting out with your first place or you're a veteran and you've been in the business a while, it contains the financial piece, the staff training piece, marketing and efficiencies, as well as all the logistics you need to open your doors to your very first place. It is all in encompassing. If you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review on iTunes. It'll help other owners and managers and hospitality professionals find us. And I'm also available one-on-one. If you need a challenging problem solved or if you just want to talk shop with me, I offer a free 30-minute consultation. You can reach out to me, Roger, R-O-G-E-R, at restaurantrockstars.com, and we'll set up a time to chat. I'd love to talk to you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. For lots of great resources, head over to restaurantrockstars.com. See you next time.